What's going on, Kaylee? How are you today? Hey. Hi, Luke. I'm good. How are you? Doing amazing. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm I'm actually really excited for this episode. I'll be honest, it's this what we're going to talk about today is not really in my wheelhouse. It's not something that I'm an expert in by any means, but I think it's so important. And I I think it's so common and in me just even being in my later 20s now and having friends and family and just seeing pregnancy and infertility and people trying to start families and, and go to their next chapter of their lives. I find that a lot of the issues and the things that we're going to talk about it today are something that isn't talked about that much, which I think should be, but it also is really dang important because when we talk about, you know, the future of your life and your kids' lives, like there's so many things that can go into it. And there's a lot of things I think that we can control and kind of come at with like a root cause approach when it mm -hmm. comes to getting pregnant and bringing another life into this, to this earth. So I'm excited yeah. to have you on because you are an all-star in this uh, topic and fun facts, little backstory, you, for the people <laughs> who don't know, you were one of my preceptors back in like 2018 or something when I was first becoming yeah. a dietitian, uh, we were at the VA together. So I learned a lot of my clinical nutrition stuff from you. So I'm really grateful for that. And it's just really cool to see you doing your own thing, working with your client base and kind of me doing my own online coaching as well. And having this come together, it's been kind of fun to reconnect with you and, and make this happen. So just wanted to give you a shout out and say, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you. And it's so funny coming full circle. Like I reached out to you a handful of times as I'm getting my business started and asked for business advice, like changing roles, preceptor. And now I'm looking to you for advice. So, um, oh. yeah. Totally. For the people who don't know, just uh, give us a little backstory, of maybe about dietitian life, but also how that relates to what you're doing today, what you're passionate about today, and anything that you want to share with us. Yeah, happy to. So, um, I have been a dietitian for almost ten years, which is crazy because in my body I still feel like I'm 21 just learning myself, but I've been a dietitian for almost 10 years. Um, and most of the time that I've worked has been in the conventional setting. Like Luke said, my last um, job was at the VA. I was an outpatient dietitian. Um, but how I kind of started on this pathway kind of is a mix of stories between um, personal needs, personal life needs, and professional needs. So in the professional side of things, um, I was just ready to kind of be my own boss, be in charge of what I was able to teach, how I was able to teach. Um, I didn't like um, kind of having to work within someone else's, you know, program. <laughs> I wanted to kind of be in charge, and I guess that goes to say with um, my personality. And I, I just kind of started to get this itch, like I wanted to head out on my own. Um, as for how I ended up in the fertility space, well, that's kind of a story too. Um, it all kind of started after the birth of my son. He was born about two years ago, height of COVID. He's a COVID baby. And um, postpartum healing, I just felt horrible. I felt sick. I felt weak. I felt just the best way I can describe it is I felt like I was a shell of myself. I was dizzy all the time. I was losing so much weight. Um I was just like nauseous, couldn't eat. I was just yuck. It was yuck. Um, so I went to the doctor. And believe it or not, I went to three different doctors. Um, and each doctor I visited two or three times. So we're talking about like six, seven, eight, nine appointments I went to. And the only thing they could come up with through all these appointments was that I 
anxiety or that I was in like an anxious state, which is true. I always say like, when I'm explaining this story, I have anxiety. I know what anxiety feels like. And this just felt different. It didn't feel like I felt like in my body, I was completely calm and I was still experiencing all of these symptoms. Um, so um, all they could offer me was anti-anxiety medication and, and counseling, which no knock on those tools, but it just didn't feel like what my body needed. So I kind of started on my own path of trying to figure out like, is there something going on with my hormones? Uh, like what could be going on in my body that, that is making me feel this way. As I was researching my own health and trying to get myself back on track, um, I ran across fertility nutrition and my mind was literally blown. Like all the people that are struggling to get pregnant, all the people that are struggling to stay pregnant and that this approach to fertility just wasn't talked about and just seeing like how effective it could be, like how root cause approaches to fertility can just make our whole body healthier. And I was just like, okay, I've had this like inkling that I want to get out and do my own thing. And this is what I want to do. So here I am um, a little over a year later into private practice and just love it. I just like seriously love what I do. I was kind of at that point with dietetics where I'm like, was ready to step out of it. I don't know, Luke, you're a newer dietitian than me, but I don't know if you've ever had that feeling where it's just like, I just, this just, I just didn't find the right space. And this is the right space for me. I'm so in love with what I do. Totally. I couldn't agree more. And I think I'm lucky enough to be in kind of that younger generation of newer RDs who kind of see the traditional paths and you're like, uh, I don't think any of these really click with me. So I'm going to try and do something mm -hmm. else. And having, you know, the ability to kind of take that leap earlier on, I don't think that was really an option for this profession as a whole, really five or 10 years ago, like online coaching, right. being able to like create your own online practice, not even having a brick and mortar, but seeing people across the country and being able to help people like this was introduced to us, I think less than five years ago, less than 10 years ago. So I was lucky mm -hmm. enough to kind of catch that wave a little bit earlier on in my career, but it's funny how, yeah. you know, when you really have that kind of true calling and that passion, like you don't really settle for things at the end of the day and you being a mom and you having a life to live with your family, like how can your work be in, you know, as integrated as possible into that process. And I think it's, I think you hit on a couple of really important things there. One, now that you're nutrition coaching, be, you know, being a dietitian in kind of the online space, I think most of the people you find in this space have gone through their own version of a similar story that you have gone through. And, and for me, I'll relate that to, you know, maybe my struggles with like body dysmorphia and wanting to mm -hmm. get super fit and not knowing how to do that, but having this title as a dietitian and having that, you know, imposter syndrome and that sense of like, Hey, I should be able to figure this out. Cause I went to school for this. When in reality, the things that we work with our clients on the things that we do with, you know, the people we connect with and, and the things that we talk about on social media are a lot of times things that we've learned by coaching other people or going through our mm -hmm. own experiences and being able to kind of dive in and do our own certifications or research outside of school. So it takes time to be able to develop that expertise and that confidence in the messages that you're preaching. But I think that was a really important you know, thing you mentioned is like, Hey, I was doing this thing at the VA or, and not throwing the VA under the bus. Right. But it just wasn't firing me up, starting a family priority shifted. How can I start to shift towards this thing that I really care about the most? Because that's something that I went through and, and nobody should have to go through that. But again, a lot of people go through that, whether it's 
pre-pregnancy, during pregnancy, postpartum, postpartum mm-hmm. depression is a real thing. And yeah. it's something yeah. that mm-hmm. I, I just don't think is talked about enough. And again, we're not here to shit on doctors or Western medicine. Like there's, there's a place for that. And there's a lot of good that has come from that, but there's also taking things to the next step that I think gets missed in generally healthy people sometimes. And I think that's where a lot of us can step in. Um, and yeah, you know, you just mentioning anxiety, gosh, it's, it's amazing how I think more people have anxiety now, or more people are aware of what anxiety is and how that can, you know, relate to their life and how things can get exacerbated by, um, anxiety in their life. And especially when you mix up like bringing a family into the picture and wanting the best for them and taking care of them. And, and for females, like bringing a life into this world is just, it's an unbelievable feat. And it's something that I still don't even like understand how that even happens. Cause it's, it's so amazing, so amazing. So complex. So, so it's amazing. really cool that you were able to kind of go through that experience and now shift your focus to helping people who, you know, at the end of the day, maybe we can help them go through something and make it easier for them. So they don't have to experience what we went through, or we can make this process more enjoyable and, and a little less stressful and help manage some symptoms that way. So just wanted totally. to shout that out for sure. Totally. Yes. Let's dump into maybe because you talked about going to a doctor after the birth of, I think your second child, right. And yep. we're struggling yep. with a lot of these things, anti-anxiety meds, different, you know, different things like that. It's like, Hey, Kaylee, you're on your way. Um, tell me how, maybe why that isn't the best approach, or you can maybe take a step back and help us understand, especially for some of the guys that might be listening out there and maybe the new mm-hmm. parents, what the process of like getting pregnant or having being fertile and then having the baby and then what life is like a little bit after the baby, Mike, how yes. that process runs a little bit, but also some, maybe some things that can happen and some complications that we'll talk about later on this episode, but things that come mm-hmm. up that, you know, we can really start to become more aware of and identify if, if something is going wrong and how we can fix that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So in kind of talking about like my, um, my thing that I went through, like how I was just feeling like the best way I can describe it is like a shell of myself. Um, and kind of digging in and finding out doing some tests. Um, I was just in a, I was in a state of like hyper stress. Um, but it was, you know, kind of beyond typical stress. Um, so there's, you know, if you, if you go on Google and, um, you know, start Googling, you can run into all these different terms, but with different testing, kind of what I found out about myself was like, my cortisol was almost none. Like my body had like stopped reacting to cortisol. So I was just kind of in the state of like my adrenal glands where we produce all these stress hormones had kind of just kind of just gotten tired. They were tired of producing all this cortisol. So I just really needed to support myself with, I mean, with the right things to bring myself back into a state of like where I produce cortisol in response to stressful events. Now where I'm just like, always kind of in this low state of like chronic exhaustion, chronic fatigue, burnout, some people call it. Um, So yes, um, you know, treating with meds, you know, is one way to do it, but holistically and looking at other options, you know, there's things to do there too. And I won't get into that because that's not necessarily my specialty, but when we're looking at how that type of reaction relates to fertility, like there's a huge relationship between our stress and our stress hormones and our fertility and how well someone is able to, um, 
to ovulate and carry a pregnancy based on stress hormones. So, um, you know, it was just kind of a, a weird little venture in my life, a weird little path that we all go down, you know, these weird little avenues that we find ourselves in, you know, during the course of life. And you learn something really great from it. And from, you know, that time in my life where I was just really struggling and feeling really yucky and whatever, I ended up finding, you know, like this connection to pregnancy it had nothing to do with me trying to get pregnant. In fact, it was me healing from pregnancy, but, um, learning that it could relate to pregnancy and how I could relate that back to clients and help them not only with that aspect of their fertility, but like a million other aspects of fertility and using a root cause approach, um, which isn't talked about. And that's part of the thing that really got me fired up is like, why isn't this an option? Why isn't this talked about as a way for people to address their fertility? Why is it just, we go from you know, medication to procedure to IVF. Like, why isn't there just a quick stop in there where we could work on some lifestyle things, um, you know, with the right people and, you know, the the people who would respond really well to this type of treatment for their fertility. Um, and, you know, there's just lots of questions as to why, 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 why is that not talked about? For sure. And I think it's, again, like it's kind of taboo to talk about this stuff sometimes or to ask for help or, and we talk about stress. I mean, we can talk about kind of the infertility and, and things that we could do to help be more fertile and decrease stress and things like leading up to conception and then eventually starting to carry a baby. It's what I've noticed is there's a lot of pressure sometimes, especially on females. It's very, it's very evident today. There's, there's timelines that people are supposed to be on. And it's, uh, mm -hmm. I think that understanding like, Hey, just because somebody else is doing something at a certain time, a lot of females, and I can say this cause my wife has felt this and we've talked about this a lot, feeling pressure to maybe start a family earlier than what, when you think you'd might. Right. Or maybe it's waiting a little bit later and things become a little bit harder. Um, but you made that decision because you wanted to travel and maybe your timeline was a little bit later than other people's. Right. And then there's this expectation that things should run smoothly and then they don't. And then that elicits mm -hmm. more stress. And then you're in this kind of, you know, hamster wheel of emotions where it's like, Hey, I want this to be fixed. I want this so bad, but I don't know what the hell to do. Right. And then there's other people who are mm -hmm. successful and you hear about that a lot, but you also don't always hear about the people who aren't being successful and who are doing the IVF route and who are really struggling and who've been down the two, three year road of trying to get pregnant. Right. And it's, it's very sad because I think this is a really amazing time in our lives and it's a very, it's a very cool experience. Right. But it can mm -hmm. take a lot out of, especially the mom, but the family mm -hmm. that is trying to start that family. And mm -hmm. I, again, stress goes, there's so many different contexts in which stress can happen. Maybe it's relationship or family stuff at home. Maybe it's work. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's even mm -hmm. people who are excessively fit and they're trying to exercise too much. And, and you were mm -hmm. talking about cortisol, right? But cortisol can, there's a lot of different responses and things that we can increase or decrease our cortisol with, but people who are just overly exercising under fueling, right? Like that is a huge form of stress on our body. What do you find is common stresses that, you know, maybe we should address and, and think about as part of this like pre-pregnancy stage of how can mm -hmm. we get this checklist? We're going to kind of come up with a checklist, I think together today of big overarching things that we can kind of direct people to do when they're 
your checklist to become pregnant or to Mm -hmm. have a baby and to start a family. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to stress management and stressors, like what are things that I think we should keep in mind or look out for as maybe people are starting to, you know, Mm -hmm. go down that route and just some things that come to mind. And, and it sounds like you didn't experience the infertility side of things, but more the postpartum side of things. But I know Mm -hmm. you've seen it all as well and work with a ton of clients that, have those mm-hmm. complications as well, but just give us a little insight of like what, what that looks like pre-pregnancy and, and how we can maybe improve some of that too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I always start off this by saying like the number one thing, if you ask a woman or, you know, maybe male, I talk to fewer males who are struggling with infertility, but females who are going through infertility, like the number one most annoying thing that people will say to them is just relax and it'll happen. That's like, as easy as that, right? So irritating because of exactly all the things you said, we have timelines, we have, you know, these desires, we have these wishes. And I can speak for myself too. And I, you know, had that, you know, ready to start a family thing. I wanted it to happen last week. I wanted it to happen last year. Like I wanted that baby now. And when you're hit with these times of like, okay, it's, it's weight, like it's not happening. It can feel like, it can feel like, you know, the world is shattering around you early. Um, so to hear that, to hear like, just stop stressing. It's like, okay, yeah, you stop stressing, but here's the thing. It sucks to hear it. It's not great advice because it doesn't tell you how to stop stressing, but stress does shut down reproduction. Stress shuts down reproduction. And that's just because of this complex hormonal intersection we have going on in our bodies at every single waking moment of our day. And when our body is feeling stress, our body is feeling this isn't the right time to, to carry a pregnancy. And Luke, the other thing you just hit it on the head, when you, when we talk about stress, we're not just talking about the emotional stresses. We're not just talking about like, you feel stressed about finances. You feel stressed about looking at how much IVF costs. You feel stressed about why aren't you getting pregnant? those are stresses. And those are things that, you know, should be addressed too, just for what mental well-being. but other stresses that hit our body impact our fertility, just the same stresses like under eating and my goodness, how many women under eat in this diet culture world that we live in. I can say that a majority of the clients I talk to are under eating. Um, and it can be a real struggle to, to kind of, um, encourage them to get in enough calories, calories that will support not only their health, but their fertility and carrying a child. So yeah, totally. Like <laughs> that is one major stress is under eating. Another stress that we are constantly bombarded with in our environment are environmental stresses, things that we just are hit with all the time. I always feel just like a tiny bit of hesitation when I talk about this, because there's so much dislike of like fear mongering and bringing up all these things just to evoke fear. And please know that's not why I'm saying these things. Like that's not why I talk about endocrine disruptors, because I'll be the first to admit when I first learned about functional nutrition, I didn't want to learn more because I was scared. I was scared of like how this was going to impact my life. And like, oh my gosh, am I not going to be able to do anything? Am I going to be like worried to live in a bubble? And that's not the goal. If you look at the studies, the goal is to be in the, if you look at it, break it into quartiles, 
the highest quartile of these endocrine disruptors and these toxic exposures are where the effects happen. So it doesn't mean you have to live your life in a bubble. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect and use only clean products. And oh my gosh, if you're exposed to a non-organic apple, you know, there goes your fertility. That's not what this is. What it is, is just making some, a handful of really good positive changes to lower yourself. If you are up in the highest quartile, get yourself into the lower three quartiles of exposures. And that's where the biggest benefit of reducing these kind of stresses on your body can, um, come, can come from. Gosh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I love what you said, right? Like our sex hormones, they're really accessory hormones. Like they're kind of secondary to a lot of other physiological processes and things that your body prioritizes day to day. And if your body senses that it's in danger or it's not getting enough nutrition or there's too much stress, like it's not going to prioritize bringing another human into this world. So sometimes mm -hmm. there's, there's a phase where you have to allocate time and attention to trying to take care of yourself. And, mm -hmm. and one thing that I really see a lot, and, and again, it's like you said, not shaming anybody, but it's just bringing to people's attentions is this idea that a lot of times, like we, we lie to ourselves sometimes, right? Like so many times I, maybe I get a new client and it's like, oh, I'm eating this many calories and I'm working out this many days a week and I'm just a type A person. So I'm just doing all the things. Well, it's like, well, are you really able to do all the things or is there other things that could be more conducive to what season of life or what your priorities are? And our identities change over time. I'm sure you felt that way, right? Like when mm -hmm. you became a mom, sure. you, were, you guys were in a relationship. It's like, hey, we're traveling, we're doing the things, we're working. It's like, cool. But then you bring a kid into this world and your identity changes. And we have to have that on a different level even before that kid comes into this world. And I, I was talking to you about my dog because we don't have kids yet. But when I we brought our puppy home, it was amazing how your life just changes and everything revolves around that. And if you're not taking care of yourself, it's really difficult sometimes to be able to take care of other things, let alone bring them into this world. So it starts before you know, conception and before you guys start getting pregnant and being able to acknowledge, it's like, hey, what are stressors coming into my life right now? Like you said, is it the financial piece? Is it the undernutrition piece? Is it the undernourishing piece, right? Because I think there's a, an avenue where people are maybe over-consuming, but undernourishing as well, right? And awesome. not getting in a lot mm -hmm. of the vital nutrients that we need. And we can talk about some of those micronutrients here in a second, but being able to identify, is it my nutrition? Is it excessive exercise? Is it a you know, crazy stressful morning at work that's, uh, you know, leading to higher cortisol or just more stressful at home and the dominate or the dominoes can kind of continue to fall from there. Right. But it's mm -hmm. being able to like, be honest with yourself, I think is what I'm trying to say. Cause a lot of times, and I see this with my clients, it's like, oh, I'm eating this and eating these things. And sometimes we really underestimate what we're doing and we, and we overestimate the good things that we're doing too. And I think it's really important mm -hmm. to take a step back and, and also look at the, you know, kind of hierarchy of importance of what are the big rocks that I need to take care of right now? And mm -hmm. is, is this non GMO Fuji apple really going to be the cause of me being infertile? Right. Cause it, it's right. so much bigger than that. And I think the thing with social media and hearing things secondhand from friends and you doing quote unquote, your own research online, it's hard because you can kind of get stuck in the weeds and kind of miss miss the forest because of that. Right. And, and it's so much on the big rocks at the end of the day. Yep. So much. 
And since we love talking about nutrition and that's kind of our worlds, right? We can kind of break nutrition into macronutrients. We could also break it into micronutrients Mm -hmm. Um, for the people maybe who don't know what those are, your clients, my clients, maybe let's talk about macronutrients and what that is and how that fits into energy balance and, and what that means for fertility purposes and even like anxiety management and postpartum stuff and being able to feed your children and maybe your breastfeeding. Like there's so many things that we could talk about, but let's just think about macronutrients on a big picture and how that plays into the lifespan of you bringing a child into this world. Yeah. So bottom line first, we've already said this a couple of times, but you need to have adequate energy in your body in order to, you know, your body to feel safe. If you're this is kind of a, maybe abrasive way to say it, but if you're eating like a toddler, like I see some clients come to me and they're like literally eating less than my toddlers do. You need to be able to nourish your body plus growing like another human. So pregnancy and preparing for pregnancy is really a state of abundance. You know, we need to have abundance there in order for your body to feel safe and feel ready to give, um, give it up to a growing, growing child. You know, if you're barely skating by for yourself, it's not going to be like, oh, let's get pregnant and try and create another life. We, we can't even nurse, you know, our, ourselves. Um, and when we get into the micronutrients, you know, I have a whole, whole thought on the micronutrients and deficiencies in micronutrients, but we'll kind of stick in the macros for the time being. Um, so macronutrients are, of course, our three main energy sources, and they are what make up all of our food, carbohydrates, protein, and fat. Um, these are our main three macronutrients. If you wanted to throw water in there sometimes, I don't know, do you ever throw water in as a macro? No. no. People will bring up Sometimes the alcohol I, argument and I'm just like, uh, we need to stop doing that. And like we <laughs> we're, if you're relying on getting your energy from alcohol, we need to have a different conversation. So, yeah. Amen. <laughs> um, but when we're talking about our macronutrients in terms of, in terms of fertility, um, and I was going to mention this too, you know, when you were saying Luke about people, maybe not being honest with themselves, they're thinking maybe they're doing better than they are. Um, this is a something I, I kind of share often too, is what I recommend for a fertility diet maybe isn't as intuitive as what you would, you know, say is quote unquote healthy or what you'd be running across in a lot of like, you know, healthy eating blogs or whatever. It's different. And it's a different way of eating to be perfectly honest. Um, It's a perfectly healthy way to eat all the time, but it's definitely different than, you know, what you'd say is uh, typically healthy, my plate type diet. Um, so when we're looking at our macros, carbs, protein, and fats, I usually suggest a pretty equal breakdown of the three. So somewhere between 30 and 40% of each of the macronutrients every day, which is of course different than, you know, a standard where we would just talk about eating a whole lot more carbs. Um, I'm not a carb hater. I'm not a keto advocate <laughs> and, um, I am a, a carb includer. But I also want to make sure that the carbs we include are in the right ratio and from from great sources to to be, you know, kind of just broad about it. So, um, yeah, pretty equal breakdown, carb, protein, fat. Um, when it comes to sources, I, I want to include carbs that include a lot of fiber, carbs, carbs that include a lot of nutrients um, that are nutrient dense. 
when we're talking about proteins, this is maybe something that most people are surprised about, but I am not a plant-based dietitian. I don't encourage plant-based eating. Um, I want you to eat your plants. I also want you to eat your animals because there are a lot of really important fertility nutrients that come only from animal sources. Vitamin D12 is the most obvious, but then we could start talking about choline, like zinc. Zinc can come from a lot of um, plant sources, but um, and then when we start talking about like collagens and the amino acid breakdown and the important amino acids that, you know, are primarily found in, in animals. I am an animal. I, I encourage people to include animal products as much as possible. Um, and kind of on that same note, including the highest quality animal products that you can financially obtain. So if you can obtain, you know, grass fed types of beef, pasture raised eggs, um, chicken, pasture-raised, um, free-range chickens, like those types of animals that are not conventionally raised and fed have a different and healthier fat profile too. Um, plus they're just um, more nutrient dense. So you're going to get more of some of these really key nutrients um, when they're from well-raised animals. Um, kind of like that whole you are what you eat saying that we like to throw around <laughs> to toddlers or whatever. Um, same goes for the animals. <laughs> you are what you eat. So if you are looking for a more nutrient-dense animal product, want it to be raised um, as, as healthfully as possible. For sure. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. It, I think you said something really, really awesome. Like stop eating like a toddler, right? And to me, there's different clientele that you could relate to, you know, your eating patterns too. And, and sometimes the underfueling, the undernourishing population, they eat like a toddler because, you know, they're afraid to eat more. They're afraid of gaining weight. And um, uh, there's also the other side of people where they're eating maybe more like a teenager or a teenager that can drive. And, you know, they're going out to fast food every, every meal and they're going out and having pizza and Dr. Pepper with their lunches. And I say that because that's, that was me at one point. And again, not to say that you can't do that or can't get away from that, but there's different phases that we go through as children. That is very relatable to us as adults. I've found too. Um, so getting out of this mindset of like <laughs> eating like a toddler or eating like a teenager or just eating like an asshole in general, right? Um, if talking about that identity change, it's like understanding that your body is going to change and that the dietary mm -hmm. patterns and the things that you should prioritize also change with, with that your nutrition mm -hmm. for pre-pregnancy when you're pregnant and postpartum is way different than physique nutrition or trying to maintain maybe your pre-pregnancy yes. body. Right. And we could talk about maybe you know, postpartum, getting your body back to where it was or your pre-pregnancy weight, which I don't know, I have some opinions on that as well. Mm -hmm. But um, keeping in mind that, you know, your identity change this, the second that you start to think about having kids, whether you believe that or not, both males and females too, right? Mm -hmm. And you said a, a really interesting thing because, right, our physique nutrition is different than our nutrition for bringing a life into this world. Um mm -hmm this idea that we can become so overly obsessed with like clean eating. I'm putting that in air quotes. Um, I, I find that this is a lot of times people are so afraid because there's so much information and so much demonization and you use the word fear mongering around, Hey, if you're doing this. And, and I think a lot of it comes from like 
mom shaming too, like mm-hmm. people trying to fit into this box and seeing what worked for them. It's very similar to diet culture and, and losing weights and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever exercise trends and fad diets there are. A lot of it is like word of mouth and not actually science-based. So mm-hmm. people can fall into this rabbit hole of they're getting all of this external advice and, and from people they know, people they don't know. And they're taking that and they're going to the extreme with that. And, and I can see sometimes it's almost this version of like, orthorexia where we're just overly obsessed with eating clean mm-hmm. and in that you can miss the mark of eating enough food, right? Mm-hmm. Including some totally. of the food that you still enjoy that you're not feeling like you're deprived from hitting lean, good quality protein sources. Um, I think you plant-based, yeah, this is not to shit on plant-based people eater, eater, either. Sorry, I can't talk, but I, there's this misconception sometimes, and I don't know why I'm just thinking about this, that like a plant-based diet is, you know, more optimal or, or better than maybe a traditional like omnivore diet, which if we think about it, a lot of the benefits that come from going vegan or plant-based or vegetarian, they don't come from you removing meat necessarily, right? They come from the addition of a lot of other things that maybe Mm -hmm. you weren't eating as much of a lot of more plants, a lot more fruits, vegetables, more fibrous carbs, Um, maybe less processed foods, maybe you're cooking more at home, like a lot of things that you could do with meat on your plate, right? And maybe getting more locally or more sustainable sources of these uh, meat products, which let's be honest, is a privilege and is a luxury for some people. And the people who can't afford that, who can't do that, who don't have access to that, that does not mean that you should not eat those meats in general. Um, Mm -hmm. But just keeping that in mind, it's like, yeah, this plant-based thing, like how can we go plant-based? How can we eat a lot of these fibers, fruits, and vegetables, getting healthy sources of carbs while also meeting our protein goal? Cause that's just as important. Um, so yeah, just a couple of thoughts, thoughts on that as well. And if you alluded to how micronutrients really play an important role, right? When we think about our animal sources of protein, things like the B vitamins, choline, you said zinc, even like copper, um, creatine, Uh, There's so many things that you can get from these animal animal based sources that let's be real. You need the energy from these big foods. You need the resources from these big macronutrients, these carbs, proteins, Mm -hmm. fats. but it's the micronutrients that make those reactions go that are that convert that energy into energy at a cellular level. Right. And you know, the micronutrients I think are the things that we miss sometimes because we're so caught up in thinking like, am I getting enough protein? Am I getting enough carbs? But where you get those nutrition from is, is a whole nother story too. Um, so thinking about micronutrients, are there things that you find are really important for fertility or root causes, or maybe things that you look for when somebody comes to you and who are, is infertile and looking for root cause kind of mm-hmm. explanation as to why things aren't working super well, but on a micronutrient mm-hmm. standpoint, maybe explaining what micronutrients are and then mm-hmm. things that you might look for and work with in your clients and, and getting good sources of those things too. Yeah, of course. This is a great question. I'm looking forward to answering this. Um, so micronutrients are like, they're all the little working guys that run our body. Like, like Luke said, so micronutrients are used in almost, well, in every single body reaction that happens. So converting, um, all of the food that we're eating into energy takes these micronutrients converting, um, our genes and, and re, um, uh, copying our genes 
that takes energy. If you think of anything happening in your body, it takes energy, um, restoring, um, like, and building new skin cells or any cell in our body. And then we can also think about like the detoxific detoxification process, which detoxes its whole another subject to all of itself, but our body detoxes and it needs nutrients to do that. It's divided into phase one, phase two detox. And both of those phases have a long laundry list of nutrients that are needed so that we can get rid of junk in our body. We come in contact with junk in our body. That's part of life and we need to get rid of it. And we use those nutrients to do it. Um, so if we're not having those nutrients available, we're not running optimally. So one of my favorite things and why I said, I'm just so excited to talk about this. One of my favorite things to talk about is like this idea of deficiency, micronutrient deficiency. And I think it's a pretty common, um, con- like uh, belief. And I don't know, Luke, if it's the same for you, but even as a dietitian working in, in like the conventional side of things, I was of the belief that nutrient deficiencies just don't exist in our country. That's not true. Shaking his head. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole idea that, you know, we don't have micronutrient deficiencies is kind of actually, if you start thinking about it, it's mind boggling. Of course, we have micronutrient deficiencies because we're eating foods that have been processed and stripped of so many nutrients. You know, it's not to say that you can't enjoy a hostess cupcake every once in a while, but when that's a backbone of your diet, you're not getting all the nutrients that come from sweet potatoes and broccoli and nuts and seeds and um, healthy fats and butter and meats and all these other whole foods. So if we're not eating a nutrient rich diet, we're not getting the nutrients. So someone, you know, people come to me all the time and say, but all my lab work came back fine. And my response is always, I'm so happy to hear that. But the blood work that is tested is testing to make sure that we don't have like clinical deficiency that requires hospitalization. When your magnesium level comes back low, that's a sign that you are extremely deficient because our body works really, really, really hard to maintain our blood levels of micronutrients. I think the best and clearest example that I can give of this and that I use often is with calcium. So if you get your blood taken, like most often, it's going to be your blood calcium is going to be normal. Blood calcium doesn't tell us anything about our calcium status and whether or not we're deficient in calcium. That's because all of our calcium is stored in our bones. So if you come back and you look at your calcium and it's normal, that doesn't tell you that you don't have osteoporosis. We have to go and look at where the calcium is stored and that's stored in your bones. So we have to get a DEXA scan and that will tell you whether or not you have osteoporosis. The same with all these other nutrients. You just, you can't test micronutrient status accurately by looking at your blood. It just doesn't work because our body works so hard to regulate it and to keep it super, 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 super stable so that all the things that our body needs to do, like keep our heart beating and keep our lungs working, there's enough nutrients there to make it happen. But what happens then is, you know, those essential things happen, but the non-essential things aren't getting the micronutrients they need to make it happen. So we're keeping our blood, our blood pumping. We're keeping our brain going. We're keeping like all the essential things happening, but we don't have enough micronutrient support to facilitate appropriate detox. So we're having gunk build up in our body, or we don't have enough micronutrient um, support for antioxidants to scavenge around and get rid of oxidative stress, which is a big topic we haven't talked about. So kind of throwing out some, some terms here, but, um, The point being, 
it's really hard to assess micronutrient status. And when you start looking at like studies that look at hot, like the density of micronutrient intake across the board, they show that women are, are under eating. I mean, women specifically, cause that's what I know most about are under eating on some of these key nutrients to the point of like 90% of women are deficient in choline and choline is so important for fertility. Um, so it's just, it's just this whole big topic of like, and under, under talked about again, um, another one of my, my things that I just kind of get riled up thinking about and talking about just like the under service is when we talk about hormonal birth control, it has been known since the dawn of hormonal birth control, that it depletes micronutrients and not just any micronutrients, a handful of micronutrients that are like super, super, super key to fertility. We're talking folate. We're talking about um, zinc. We're talking about vitamin B2, vitamin B3, these nutrients that are critical towards fertility. And as early as like the 1960s and 1970s, the recommendation has been, you need to take a multivitamin when taking birth control. And I would venture to guess 90% of practitioners aren't following that recommendation. So women are coming off of the birth control, ready to get pregnant. And here they are with severe nutrient deficiencies that are really hard to test um, and really, really kind of going under the radar. So um, that's just another big, big part of, of prepping for fertility is just kind of knowing these things, eating a nutrient dense diet, also knowing when and where to supplement from. Gotcha. So many good things. I think you, you hit the nail on the head on a lot of them, but this idea that, that us as Americans and us as a a world in general, like are deficient really in a lot of nutrients and and maybe not even deficient, right? Because if we were all clinically deficient in some of these nutrients, some things would be flagged a little bit more frequently, but we're vitamin insufficient still. Yes. Better word. Yes. We're, we're insufficient. We're not, you know, we're meeting the bare minimum, but the bare minimum isn't good enough in a lot of these contexts. And I think you bring up a really good point because blood work, blood work is so necessary. And it's something that you do with your doctors. I don't know if you can order blood work, but I I can order blood work, micronutrient stuff with my Mm -hmm. clients, GI maps, Dutch tests, like hormone stuff, like a lot of these things we could look at and take a deep dive into what's going on in your body, but always coming back to the place of like, this is so fucking complex that there's not one thing that is going to, you know, dictate the direction that we go towards. And it's all multifactorial. And you, you talked about calcium, right? Because a lot of these things, just to give an example of how complex the human body is and how good of a job it does with even minimal resources sometimes to maintain Mm -hmm. um, the integrity and, and the normal physiological processes that are happening calcium is really interesting because there's a gland in our body, the parathyroid gland next to our thyroid. They have nothing to do with each other. It's just where they're structurally located, right? Like when your body specifically to calcium, when that gets a little bit low, parathyroid senses that kicks in. It's like, Hey, this is coming a little bit low. I'm going to extract some of this calcium from our bones. I'm going to raise the serum levels in our blood. And then that looks like it's normal on a blood test, right? But then you you alluded to, hey, your risk for maybe osteoporosis, osteopenia, especially females as they get to 40s, 50s, 60s, if they've been undernourishing, not getting enough calcium, like this shit isn't being picked up on a blood test, right? But it doesn't mean that these things aren't happening. And it, it's hard because again, we can't just wave the 
wave the magic wand and be like, oh, everyone needs more calcium. We just need to supplement with this. Cause then when you start pushing supplements, you kind of miss the big picture of how everything fits in too. Cause that can be a bandaid on, on some of this stuff sometimes. Um, it's just so fascinating how the human body works and how we're programmed to, to stay alive, but mm -hmm. there's difference between staying alive and like living optimally and living well, yeah, having thriving. energy. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and not having a lot of these symptoms because I think we've become so conditioned to thinking that like, Hey, my chronic fatigue or my low energy in the morning or not menstruating or being, you know, um, being infertile, like a lot of these things just happen when in reality, it's maybe there's a lot of other things that we're not seeing or picking up on or educating people on or being told about from a, a younger age earlier on, early on from our um, people trying to get pregnant. You alluded to how, hey, multivitamins and birth control are a no brainer, but that's still something that gets missed and that information doesn't get relayed. And so there's just a lot of disconnect, um, just that I've seen with a lot of healthcare practitioners, people who are getting advice. And again, people who don't know anything about the human body, which is, it's not their fault. It's not your fault mm -hmm. that you don't know some of these things, but it's, it's also important to keep advocating and keep asking questions and to just keep being really curious. Cause that's when you start to get answers to things. And that's when things start to make a little bit more sense and you get a little bit more sense of direction going forward. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All of that. Um, all of that so much. And I, I think that what you said about the, the vitamins and being, being cautious about vitamins too, is a whole nother kind of, um, thought, you know, I can remember I had a client one time who came and, um, he kept track of everything he ate. And if he was low in anything on that day, he supplemented it. And I mean, it must've taken him hours, 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 hours to track everything so meticulously, like food scale meticulous. And then, you know, it's supplement to make up for the deficit. And I think it's important to say too, like, that's not how meticulous we have to be. Our bodies are amazing. So amazing that we don't have to be perfect every day. And I think Luke, that's a big part of your message too, is like, we can be perfect in the imperfection. Like we don't have to, like I said, like the whole example of having a Twinkie, Twinkie or a Hostess cupcake, that's not going to be the end of your fertility. But if that's the backbone of your diet, man, we've got to talk. Um, and kind of that's an extreme example. But the whole idea being like eating some of this stuff every once in a while and, and enjoying foods that you want to is normal and a normal and healthy part of eating. But at the same time, we also have to realize our body has needs and we have to find and hopefully enjoy foods that will nourish it as well too. Um, without just thinking like, okay, I take a multivitamin, check, got rid of all of the, all right, I got all the micronutrients taken care of because the other thing to say about that too is food is way more complex than we even know. New things are being found in our food every year, things that our body needs or benefits from, um, like our microbiome, you know, runs off of some of the polyphenols, you know, it's like, who would have thought if we're not eating red polyphenols, we put part of our microbiome at risk. So there's just so many things going on with food that we can't out supplement a bad diet. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And I love it. I, it's, it's always bringing it back down to a level where it's like digestible, sort of speak. Right. And, you know, makes a little bit of sense for the people at kind of the consumer level, a lot of this, because as mm -hmm. practitioners, it's really easy to talk about all these things and get super passionate about it. But it's like, 
how does this relate to our clients? And I think you do a really good job of that and your messaging on social media and, and what you do with your clients and, and just breaking it down. Like, what are the things that we can control that we can think about that is going to make the biggest difference in your health, your baby's health and your future health going forward? Um, whether you have multiple kids, right? Or you just stick to one, like whatever it is, how can we make this sustainable and more understandable so you can repeat this, you know, for the rest of your life? And yeah, man, you bring up a good, a good point too, right? Like sometimes supplements are great to have a place, but there's also a lot of food interventions that we could do. And just to give uh, you people an example, you probably do this with your clients too, but like the idea of an adrenal cocktail, right? It's like, how can we get Mm -hmm. a non-supplement into somebody's day without, Mm -hmm. you know, telling them, Hey, you know, we need to take all these pills and have these compliance, right? The adrenal glands, if we go back, you mentioned that earlier and your cortisol Mm -hmm. was crazy, but the Mm -hmm. adrenal glands are really important for hormone production. And the adrenal glands use a shit ton of vitamin C. Um, they're actually, I think one of, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they use more vitamin C than any other gland in the body. Right. And during periods of really high stress, like mm-hmm. we're burning through that vitamin C so quickly. I mean, the same goes with magnesium as well. Um, also for sodium and potassium, like our adrenal glands make um, a hormone called aldosterone, which really helps regulate fluid balance and uh, electrolyte balance in the body. So if your adrenals are overwhelmed, right, going back to that stress piece, right, you're so mm-hmm. stressed. There's a lot of environmental toxins that we're being exposed to. We're under eating, we're over exercising. You can see that, you know, a lot of these things can contribute to an underperforming adrenal complex, right? In, in adrenal mm-hmm. glands. And we can see some electrolyte uh, abnormalities, which can make you feel like shit too. So mm-hmm. getting enough sodium, getting enough potassium is super important because it can help just kind of balance everything out and it can help mm-hmm. you make cell or uh, energy at the cellular level. Um, yes. so a lot of these things can get really depleted in times of stress. So an intervention mm-hmm. that maybe you can try at home is like, having this idea of an adrenal cocktail, which is essentially a juice, right? Maybe um, orange juice, maybe pomegranate juice, four to six ounces, add like eight ounces of um, coconut water, um, some tables, maybe a quarter teaspoon of table salt. So the vitamin C and the potassium that you're getting from your juice, and then you're getting some magnesium maybe, and some water from your coconut water. You're getting some sodium from the salt. You have this at what, 10 and 3 PM. And it's like, you're getting a really concentrated dose of some of these nutrients at midpoints in the day. And it's like, it's just, what can we do to help support our body, get enough of these you know, macronutrients, but also get enough micronutrients in addition to eating protein at every meal, in addition to eating a plant or having fruit and some um, nuts and some healthy fats and like balancing our diet in a way where we're supporting all of our needs, but we also can eat the, you know, milkshake at the end of the day that we can go get when you're, you know, craving that. And that's what you guys do for fun. It's all of these things can fit, but how they fit. And again, I just want, I want it to be known, like how important nutrition is in this and how integrated it is with everything that we do in our life, especially when it comes to fertility stuff and stress mm-hmm. management and everything. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I guess we could talk about stress too, now that we're here, right? Cause stress we've yes. to yeah. here, but like stress is, is amazing. And there's so many stresses that you experience when maybe you're pre-pregnant or maybe you are pregnant or after you're planning your second kid. Mm-hmm. Are there any other besides eating well and eating enough and, you know, doing, you know, getting enough, some of these micronutrients, maybe supplementing, what are some other mm-hmm. stress 
management practices that you find are maybe really productive and things that maybe we know we need to be doing, but have a hard time doing? Is there things that you implement mm-hmm. with your clients or you've done personally, mm-hmm. things that you've seen be really successful in, in kind of this mm-hmm. population? Yeah. 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 So stress management can, can seem kind of like a, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, kind of thing. Like I'll do that later. I'm too busy. But what I encourage my clients to do, um, especially when I, I do run the Dutch, I know you mentioned the Dutch te- test, which is a hormone test, but it also takes a look at cortisol. So, you know, so often we see these, um, like super, super low cortisol levels, like kind of like I was saying how my cortisol levels were like this burnout phase where you're just kind of, uh, kind of at the end of like your, your body's ability to keep fighting, you know, it's like, I'm tired, I'm worn out. I want to just sleep all the time. Um, so when I see that, you know, it, it can seem overwhelming because usually that person has a lot of stresses, feels horrible. So my, my goal for them is always start small, like pick out five or 10 minutes a day of something that's for you. And it can be, just like sitting in the complete silence. It can be a walk. Um, I've had clients start gratitude journals or prayer journals. Like starting the day with gratitude is another really, really, really powerful way to kind of set your mindset for the day. So instead of waking up and starting like, I need to do X, Y, and Z. I've got this meeting. I've got this tough thing. I got blah, 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 blah. I have to hustle to get out the door. Just like starting and writing down a piece of gratitude um, is a really powerful way to just shift your mind um, set for the day, to be honest. Um, So I've seen some good results from that. Um, I've also encouraged people to do um, baths or foot soaks with Epsom salt, which is a form of magnesium that our body can absorb and utilize. And magnesium is sometimes called the soothing um, mineral or the calming mineral because it's so supportive of our stress response. So using like a magnesium um, type of addition to your day. And another reason I love that is because it's not a supplement. Like we're not talking about just taking a bazillion supplements, taking a magnesium sulfate bath with Epsom salt is a great like way to calm your body on multiple levels, aside from the warm, warm water and, you know, the magnesium, there's just multiple levels of relaxation there. Um, Let's see. Oh, and then I was going to mention adaptogens. So in my practice, I do utilize some herbal medicines um, and herbal herbal supplements, really. Adaptogens are a subclass of herbals that help our body to adapt to stress. Um, And there are various types. There are types that are more stimulating, types that are more relaxing. um, And there are some herbals, um, adaptogens that have additional benefits. So um, they can also, some of them help with sperm production. Some of them help support our adrenal glands. Uh, All of them help support our adrenal glands in various ways, but our ovaries and our reproductive health as well. So using and making smart choices about adaptogen um, additions can be another way to support your stress response. If you feel like, my goodness, I'm at my room. I need some more help with managing this stress. Um, those are a couple of nutritional things you can do for sure. For sure. And it's kind of a combination of like, what haven't you tried or what have you done in the past that you've gotten away from? Cause life has gotten so busy that you can come back to enjoy doing again. A lot of times we start with that or what are other things that maybe you haven't tried that you might freaking love that could make all the difference in the world. And like you said, maybe it's 
making a morning routine or an evening routine or putting screens away or not looking at your phone until you get to work because you know emails are going to stress you out when you look at that right at right out of bed after your alarm goes off, right? There's like all these little small things that if you do over time, they can make the biggest difference in the world in that stress management that we're talking about and reading books. And you don't even have to try and do this on your own. Like there's meditation apps and story apps, things Mm -hmm. like Calm or Headspace are really awesome too, that you could try the free version, try the how to meditate Mm -hmm. course and just see if you can see if you can take your brain off of the chaos that's happening in your life every single day and sit down and being mindful. Not only is that important for like everything we talked about today in terms of fertility and, and bringing a life into this world, but also for your mental health and your sanity too, at the end of the day, because it's really important yeah. to take care of yourself. And we've talked about how yes. taking care of yourself is super important and you can't really take care of others if you're not taking care of yourself too. So it's really, uh, it's really fascinating, but stress management is just one of those things that I think often gets neglected that could be the difference maker in a lot of these things sometimes. And Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, you had a male client, like, I don't want to let guys off the hook today and have this just be geared towards like a all female problem. Like men have no other responsibility besides providing the sperm and that's it. Right. Like men can be infertile too, and they can have difficulties and they could be I'm not going to say part of the problem, but part of the complication that a lot of these things um, mm-hmm. we're trying to overcome. Um, so for men, I mean, it, it, I would say it's very similar to what what we've already talked about today in terms of getting enough energy, reducing stress, getting your micronutrients in, um, being able to kind of do these things consistently and take care of yourself. But for guys, it's like if you're not exercising regular, regularly, you need to be doing that. Uh, managing stress. We just talked about that super important, whatever that means to you. Um, we talked about antioxidants and you said the word, I think, um, oxidative stress earlier, but you know, Mm -hmm. getting a vitamin C, um, and other antioxidants. So getting, you know, not this plant-based diet, but getting a ton of plants in your diet in addition to the Mm -hmm. protein sources. So you're getting things like vitamin C, which are really high in antioxidants that can help reduce that oxidative stress. Um, same mm-hmm. thing like vitamin D. Are we getting enough vitamin D, which mm-hmm. can support healthy um, testosterone levels? Um, mm-hmm. Also things like getting enough zinc and, and copper, which can support um, kind of this healthy testosterone levels as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many micronutrients that are involved with male reproduction and, and testosterone yeah. and libido that I think, I think we need to address and just acknowledge as well, because men are not, mm-hmm. you know, uh, carefree in this process by any means. So that's right. And, you know, um, it's actually about equal between if we were to break down the causes of infertility, roughly, like, I think it's 35% of the time, um, male factor is the main cause 37% female and the remainder is both. So yeah, I mean, fertility so often is talked about as a female issue, Um, but yeah, it it really is kind of an equal, I always say it takes two to tango and takes two to make a baby. So, um, it is, um, definitely worth investigating. And another thing that often comes up, um, I hear from, from women is like, oh, my partner already has a child, so it can't be him. The thing is just like everything, it changes male sperm health changes over time. So even if previously fathered a child, it doesn't mean that his sperm couldn't use a sprucing up. And when it comes to sperm health too, um, a lot of what I hear from clients is 
my, my partner's sperm is fine. They had a sperm test, um, a sperm analysis done at, you know, a clinic and the parameters came back, you know, quote unquote normal. So what I'll say about, you know, sperm analysis parameters is they're usually done by a physician who's intending to use that sperm for some type of technology, whether that's IUI, which is an insemination or IVF, which is of course the full um, egg retrieval and external um, uh, fertilization and then reimplantation. Um, so they use those numbers as a indication of there's if there's enough sperm to use their technology. And that's of course just a lens you have to look at those numbers through. So if you um your partner, you know, had quote unquote fine sperm based on the parameters that were given from, you know, a, a doctor's office, a reproductive type of doctor's office. You just have to understand that there still can be room for improvement. When it comes to natural conception and sperm health, the kind of rule is more is better, which is kind of crazy. And it's just, it's not always the rule when we talk about things nutrition. Very rarely do we say more is better. Like that's not something we talk about in nutrition for the most part. Um, but when I talk about sperm and sperm quality and high quality sperm numbers and motility and morphology, more is better. So if we're looking at like average numbers that a fertility clinic will look at um, for what fertilization would be needed to make their technology work, we're looking somewhere like less than 50 million sperm per ejaculate. When we're looking at natural conception, studies have shown that upwards of that up to 200 million sperm per ejaculate can have the best outcome for natural fertility. So when a partner's sperm comes back as quote unquote fine, that's good, but it doesn't mean there's not room to optimize and to, to make his, his sperm better and more likely to fertilize an egg because they're just better and more, more abundant. I love that. I, I didn't know any of that either, which is awesome. And it, I almost relate it back to maybe the calcium conversation that we had. It's like, hey, just because you meet the minimum baseline criteria of what it look or um, what this test is testing does not mean that it's optimal or that it's always guaranteed to work. So keeping that yeah. in mind, it, it's so relatable to everything micronutrient wise or stress management wise. It's like just because you're doing a little bit does not mean that you're getting the big picture, giving yourself the best chance to be successful with this. And I think I think that's one of the take home messages that I want you know, people to take home today. It's like, Hey, there's a, there's a baseline that we need to get to, but that doesn't mean that that's going to work for everybody. And that likely there's other areas that we need to optimize and, and to get you to, to make this process, hopefully as smooth as possible. Um, which mm -hmm. as we know is never a guarantee, nor is it something that <laughs> I think people can expect. And if that happens to you, great. Um, but being able to get to a point where like, are we checking a lot of these boxes and is this, is this something that's give us the best opportunity to bring another human into this world and reproduce and, and start the next chapter of your life. And I think that's what I want us to, to remember today is like, there's mm -hmm. a minimum, but then there's room for growth and there's, there's maybe an optimal level that we're kind of missing the mark here, um, more than we think. And that's what I always tell, um, like my clients when we're working that, with them too, it's kind of, it's kind of like if you imagine a bucket and we're trying to fill up a bucket to like the threshold of where your body is like, okay, we have abundance here. So as we're working together, are we going to find everything? 
Probably not, but we're probably, we are, we are going to find things that can be optimized. And the, the thing we work on is optimizing as much of these things as we can from like super low hanging fruit, like vitamin D, which is like a super easy thing to fix to doing like a gut healing protocol where we help to reduce inflammation. And all of the goal is to just, you know, reduce these stresses little by little until your body has gotten to a point where it's like, okay, we are good to go here. The things that have been blocking fertility are many of them are taken care of are all of them taken care of probably not because we live in a world where there's lots of lots of things going on and we're never going to be like you know quote unquote perfect and like i said we're perfect in the imperfect but we're just trying to knock some things off of the list to get your body feeling safe and comfortable um and ready to reproduce absolutely absolutely yeah i got to be okay with the imperfections that this whole process brings just like with everything else in life, right? Like nothing mm -hmm. is ever perfect. Like things can go better. They can go worse, but are we taking care of the things that we can control to hopefully get the best outcomes possible? And I want to be respectful of your time, but I want to just mm -hmm. help make just maybe a final checklist or a recap. And maybe yeah. I'll just spit out some stuff and you could add to that um, just to yeah. leave a couple take home messages today. Sounds but good. this idea that pregnancy, you know, being fertile, infertility, like a lot of this stuff I think needs to be talked about more. And infertility is way more common than maybe we think it is. Um, and more than we care to admit and that's okay. And that's, that's part of this whole process of like, how can we accept this and what can we do about it instead of dwelling in the, okay, this is happening to me. I'm fucked kind of mentality. Right. And it's mm -hmm. like, understanding that there's kind of the stages of grief where it's like, Hey, these things are happening. Some of this is, isn't going my way, but there comes a point where it's like, okay, now what can I do about these things that are happening to me? And I think that's where, you know, having a coach, having a dietitian, having a healthcare professional healthcare team can really step in and really help you and get you out of this headspace where you're just spinning your wheels and being frustrated with everything, but acknowledging things like stress management. I think we hit that really home today. Mm -hmm. um, being able to dial in nutrition and eating enough, I think is one mm -hmm. of the things that we talked about of really easy to underfuel and to be afraid to eat and to be afraid to gain weight and to be afraid to eat the other things that we might not consider clean, but are we getting a decent amount of carbs, proteins, and fats? Is that being evenly mm -hmm. distributed? What does our plate look like? Can we have a protein source? Can we have some fiber? Can we have a good complex carb on there? Um, what are the things that we could do at every meal to make that happen? Same thing. Are we getting enough colors in? Because a lot of the nutrients that we talked about today, those are all just the different colors that we eat in our food. So are mm -hmm. we getting a micronutrient? Um, are we hitting our micronutrients from that standpoint? Is that going mm -hmm. well? And then maybe do we need to supplement prenatal stuff after that? Um, being able to um, understand that all of these things go into this big bucket of like, hey, are we meeting this minimum baseline? And are we doing a lot of things that we can control to help get us to this point? So we're more likely or more, you know, more successful in this whole process. But anything you want to add or subtract or, or finish on with that note. No, I think that was a really great summary of some of the topics we hit on. Um, I will just say, um, uh, this is kind of something that I, I share often when I'm talking to clients or potential clients. Um, so, so if you're diagnosed with unexplained infertility, I always tell people that's good. And people look at me like, 
what? That's crazy. So there's a difference between infertility and like being sterile. So infertility is defined as, you know, not being able to get pregnant within a year of trying. Um, sterile is of course, you're like actually not able to carry a child. So when we're talking about the difference, if you've had a workup, if you've had things looked at, if you're, if you're sure your tubes are open, if you've had, they call it an HSG and that's where they, they make sure that, you know, your uh, anatomy of your reproductive system is intact. Um, if you've had some of these labs that look for things that have to do with, um, like immunological conditions, um, that's, it's all a good sign when it comes back negative. And it may sound really frustrating because when you want to have a baby, you want an answer. Why am I not getting pregnant? But if you've had this workup and everything comes back negative and you've fallen into this unexplained um, infertility category, you know, that would be a good time in my opinion, you know, and I'll be the first to admit I'm completely biased because this is what I do, but that would be a good time to start looking at some of these other things and start understanding why your fertility is blocked and is it does it have to do with some of these nutrition things are there micronutrient deficiencies are there signs of inflammation do you have some sort of hormonal dysregulation these things that we can address with diet and lifestyle before you start looking into further routes that first of all are are much more invasive and also much more expensive um I just, that's kind of my whole passion points behind this is like, it's just not talked about as an option. And like, you're told there's no reason. And the only way you're going to get pregnant is by doing these next steps and using medication and using, you know, procedures, which I'm not against. I, I full wholeheartedly celebrate with anyone who gets pregnant with any, any, you know, method possible, but it's just in, in my passion to just help people be more aware that there's more options. There's a, there's a choice you can take before heading down some of these other paths. If that's what speaks to you on your fertility journey, there's just another way. That's it. That's it. Just being able to look at that news, that info as a starting point, instead of thinking it as an end point and Mm -hmm. feeling helpless at that point. So I love that. And you do the best at that I know of. So tell the people where they can find you and how they can get a hold of you. They want to reach out. Well, yes. Well, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at feeding.fertility.rd. Uh, and I also have a website, Kaylee Frazier Nutrition. It's K-A-Y-L-E-E-F-R-A-Z-I-E-R nutrition.com. Um, either of those would be great, great places to get a hold of me. Love it. I'll link that in the show notes as well, but yeah. I really appreciate you having on the, uh, having you on the show today. And I, I thought it was a good conversation. So yeah. Thanks for having me too, Luke. It's good. Good talking to you. For sure. For sure. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.